February 22nd, 2024. We're in Masechet Bava Kamanda, Yodzayin Amudbet. If you count from where the lines widen up, it's three lines up, the first words on the line. Tanur Rabbanan, Gemara Saitz Beraita. Tarnigodin, Shahayu Mafrihin Mimakom Lemakom Vishiberu Kelim Bekanfehim. Situation is such that our Mishnah made clear, the Gemara further elaborated that we don't distinguish when we're dealing with um, animals, between wild animals, domesticated animals, or birds, and uh, damage. And as a result, in a situation where it's Tarnegolin, Tarnegolin, of course, referring to chickens, Shayum Mafrihin, they are flying or fluttering, from one place to the next, and they break utensils, they cause damage, with their actual wings. This isn't with the air which their wings generate, or the uh, wind that it generates, it's rather with the wings themselves. Mishalim nezik shalim, that's quite simple. That's regel, of course it's not their feet, it's their wings, but it's the normal, typical fashion of a bird to fly, and it does with its body damage. Nezik shalim, it's called regel. What about beruach shebekanfehem? What about if it's not? with their actual wing, but it's rather with the wind generated by the flapping of its wings. Mishalmin nezek shalem. Excuse me, mishalmin hatsi nezek. In such a situation, they pay half. What's that? It's like the pebbles. That's serorot. It's our classic situation of hatsi nezek serorot. It is regil. It is a normal fashion, typical way of going. Nonetheless, since it's indirect, it's caused by the action which in turn brings this about. Like an animal which is walking, kicking the pebbles, hatsi nezek. Has to be private. All of this must be private. Even with the bird. The halacha in the Torah is, what's that? Public would be patur entirely. There is an important question, which will come up partially in the Gemara later on. It's important perhaps soon, maybe tomorrow, to see it in Rosh. Rosh in Siman Bet deals with the following. What if my animal, my bird, my anything is walking in Reshut Rabin? It kicks a pebble from Reshut Rabin into your property. On your property, it damages. It'll have some relevancy to the sugya coming up. Uh, what's the halakha in such a situation where the damage took place, well, it's, 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 it's in someone else's field, where it began, it's in Rishut Tarabim. That'll be an interesting thing to deal with, uh, but we'll see. Rosh holds Hayav. Rosh holds that's Bisteacher. The Gemara over here, well, we'll see. The Gemara will deal with this, but not with Sirorot, not with Regel. I will deal with that's a fascinating thing Rosh addresses, and this question has to understand that. Uh, over here, everybody's going to agree to that. The question is, what's the halakha with regards to pebbles? And we began this yesterday, and that is, with regards to this matter, so we saw, no, because it's the same thing. Why should it be any different? Ultimately speaking, it was a normal walking or, true, normal walking or flapping action caused the damage but didn't happen from the body or something attached to the body. That's what we call serorot. No, this is serorot. You did it yesterday also. It's hatzinezek, it's half damage, but it's not kerin. It's regel. That's the halakha according to hachamim. That's all right, you're good. It's an easy thing to mistake in, because we only know hatzinezek in kerin and one other place called regel, serorot. Sumchus omer nezek shalem. Again, sumchus consistent disagrees with this. His Masoret, as we discussed yesterday, his tradition, Halachal Moshe Sinai, is that even though you're Hayav in Regel for what's called Serorot, 
the uh, call it somewhat indirect action of uh, damage. It's, in other words, it's not touching your body, your body didn't directly do it, or something touching your body did not do it. Nonetheless, your Hayav Nezek Shalem, Tanya, Idach, we have a different Beraita. Tarnegolin Shayum Mehaddesin Al Gabe Isa. What if you have uh, Tarnegolin, chickens which are uh, dancing, Merakedin, Rashi said, uh, on, uh, on dough. Okay, so this dough laid out, and the chicken comes in, starts dancing on it, or prancing on it, it's my chicken on your dough and your property, or alternatively on your fruits, and the circumstance is such that it dirties to the extent that it's ruined, or makes holes because they're jumping and dancing on it. What's the halakha? Again, quite simple. Regel, that's the bird using its body, its feet over here to dance on it and to ruin it. Nezik shalem regel. What about if he'ilu afar oserorot? It's not the wind of their wings underneath their wings any longer. It's rather through their kicking, through their dancing, through their body, they bring forth afar oserorot, dust, dirt, or pebbles, which in turn causes damage, ruins, um, makes dirty. What's the halakha? Again, the same halakha. That's what we call serorot. It's not directly attached to the body. It's certainly not the body itself. Hatzinezek, same thing, same thing. Uh, earlier we were talking about the wings. This time we're talking about the legs of the uh, birds. Uh, two different beraitot. It's not as if one beraitot gave me both examples. One beraitot gave me both examples. You ask a question, it's redundant. One beraitot gave me this example. The other one didn't know that. It was taught in the Beit Midrash uh, a year away. Gave a different example, Sumchus Omer, Nezek Shalem, Sumchus again, consistently and purposefully tells us, Nezek of Sirorot is not Hatsi Nezek, it's Nezek Shalem. One more, Tanya Iddach, another Beraita, Tanigol Shahaya Mafriach Mimakom Lemakom, if there's a, uh, a chicken flying from one place to the other, Vyaseta Ruach Mitahat Kenafav, and the wind comes forth from underneath its wings. And it, that wind causes enough energy to break something. Period. The end of that period says, There's no mention of our friend Sumchus, says the Gemara quite simply, Stama Kirabanan. Period. Uh, that Beraita is Stama. Stam means it's anonymously written. In other words, it doesn't present different opinions with their names. It doesn't say Hachamim say Hatzinezek Sumchus says Nezek Shalem. Stama. What's that? Why are we bringing all these Beraitot? The third is fantastic. The third is the best. The third is to tell you we're posek like hachamim. You might ask it's pashut, but when you bring a stam beraita, you're telling me something. It's not a mishnah per se, but it's bringing something along the lines of saying, you see, this beraita didn't even need to mention sumchus. It's so pashut, so simple that it's hatzinezik. I don't know uh, because, I, in other words, I need more. I need to be there to figure it out because they don't always do this. The gemara will not often do this. You have to imagine. <laughs> you have to imagine that they had at their, at their disposal many beraitot, and they don't always do this. They don't quote one beraitot and then quote another one that was similar but said in a little bit of a different fashion, etc. Is because only over here, for some reason, they had different beraitot floating around as opposed to other places? That would be easy. If it's true, that's the easy answer. We would always want to do this. We don't always have it. I don't know. I don't have a better explanation to why the Gemara does that here. Says the Gemara, Amar Rava, let's try to understand these shitot, that of Hachamim, 
that of Sumchus, again, Hatzinezek, Regel Serorot, Hatzinezek, Tosafoto, does even Shen Serorot, but I'm dealing with something which is not caused directly from the body or something attached to the body of the animal which causes damage. Hatzinezek, Bishlam, I understand it's Muvan, it's uh, easily acceptable, the opinion of Sumchus. I understand why Sumchus maintains that you pay Nezek Shalem, full damage, if you do what's again called Serorot. Kasavar, clearly he believes, his, uh, his understanding is, your energy, your power, your koach, even when it's not touching your body, even though it's not affected directly by your body, it's kigufot dame. Dame means it's similar. Animal and anything else, the halakha is even though it's caused only through my energy, says Sumchus, Nezek Shalem, why am I distinguishing? Because it wasn't the saddle on your back, it was just a little bit, a few uh, inches removed. The fact that your energy, your strength, put this into motion, your Hayav Nezek Shalem. Rather, Rabbanan, how do you explain the opinion of the Hachamim? Hachamim, again, it's a halachal Moshe Misinai. We can't ask too many questions on a tradition, but we're trying to conceptualize it. The Gemara says, let's make some sense of this. If they maintained or maintain that the halachav koho kigufodame, that your energy is strength, which is caused even when it's not directly touching your body, is kigufod, as if it's your body itself. So certainly, you'd have to pay full amount, like sumchus, there's no questioning that. Okay, so clearly they don't maintain koho kigufo. The ilav kigufo, if you'll alternative, alternatively tell me it's not kigufo dame, hatsi nezek name lo lishalem. You shouldn't even pay half. I was like, there's no in between over here. When it comes to kid, and the Torah tells me it's a not normal fashion, and we're considering it a kenas. I understand such a claim. Over here, when I'm dealing with Hatzinezek Serorot, I have a choice. It's a normal action. It's not abnormal, so I could say it's like Kerem, Abi. I don't understand. If it's Kohol Kigufo and I'm Hayav, Nezek Shalem. If it's Kohol Lav Kigufo, if I say that for some reason, conceptually, the fact that my body, my connection to my body didn't affect it, I should be paying nothing. Answers the Gemara, says the Gemara, Hadara Marava. Afterwards, Rava said, listen to the way he says this, which is questionable. Kigufo dame. It's really kigufo. In other words, koho is kigufo. The fact that it wasn't directly effectuated by my body, something connected is okay. <laughs> Why am I not paying full amount? And it's almost as if the Gemara discovers it over here, even though they told us twice already this is so. This is Halachal Moshe Misinai. Halachal Moshe Misinai means that the tradition tells us, dictates, it's a different liability in terms of payment. I can so that's what we asked yesterday. Maharat's Hiyut acid, it's in the back of the Gemara, not on that page in front of you, but on the same, oh, might be, actually. Um, and he suggests that Sumchus and Hachamim have a different tradition. They both know that you're Hayav, they have a different tradition. Well, I can't, can't get you better than that, yeah. So that's what Maharat's Hayut is very bothered by. He says, Harambam says it explicitly in Hilchot Mamrim and elsewhere, that there's no such thing as a mahlok in an Halakha Moshe Misinai. So he says, so maybe on the principles of the Halakha Moshe Misinai, there's no mahlok. And on the principle that, ne- that Nezek caused by Serorot is Hayav, Halakha Moshe Misinai, that you're Hayav. The payment, if it's half or full, there's a mahlok on the Masoret. That's how Maharat's Hayut, I don't know a better approach to it or the tradition got over the course of time on the detail a little bit obscured. 
The question in the final line of this Gemara is along the same lines, but a bit different, and that is, okay, so you found a conclusion over here that Halakha Moshe Sinai dictates that you pay half. Very nice. That's the Halakha Moshe Sinai according to the Hachamim. Who said that's because we're just bumping it down instead of full attack. Maybe Maybe the opinion of Hachamim really is that my power, my energy is not like my body itself and therefore I should really be paying zero. says, but you're actually paid half. Why isn't that? Rava just definitively, it's clear he has Halachal Moshe Misinai, but he tells us, Hadar Rava le'olam kigufo dame. From where? You have a proof for that? And we have Alakal Moshe Sinai that we're calling it you pay. And you pay half. So that's clearly what's happening according to Rava. Why? Rosh in Siman Aleph writes, that's what happens with Halakal Moshe Sinai. I can't really explain it to you. I could just tell you his example. He brings an example from Masechet Sukkot in Masechet Sanhedrin. We learned it together as well. That Technically speaking, it seems as if you should need three walls to your sukkah. Halachal Moshe Misinai, two walls, ushlishit, the third, afilu tefah, even if it's just the size of your, of your fist. You see, halachal Moshe Misinai, the way it works, quote unquote, generally or always, is it diminishes. I can't give you a svara, I can't give you a logic for it. I can tell you, that's what Rosh, Rosh says. Rava is working with the logic that he generally has. That the way Halachal Moshe Misinai is, it bumps it down from more to less. That's what's taking place over here. I saw in Shittamiku Besit, he quotes from Rosh, a very nice svara for this. He says that we've established, we've talked until now about two separate things. A, B, to our conversation yesterday and today. There's a difference between the half nezik, the half damage that you pay for keren, and the half damage that you pay according to hachamim for serorot. In the practical sense, if I walk into Betin and I'm modeh, I admit before being found guilty, when it comes to keren, we were posek lahalacha, hatsi nezik, kenas. It's considered penalty, and as a result, hamodeh b'knas patur. It's a derasha in the Gemara later on. Daf samichtalit. We saw explicitly that when it comes to hatinezik serorot, it's mamon. That's explicit. That's clear. Oh, okay. If it means it's mamon as opposed to knas, let's think about this for a moment. The difference between penalty and monetary obligations is a very simple one. Penalty means quote unquote, I shouldn't have to pay anything. I'm penalizing you. Your animal, I, I don't, couldn't expect you to know it was going to do something so abnormal, but I want you to be vigilant. And so as a result, God in the Torah says, half damage. That's the way we, you're paying half damage, just to get you vigilant. Not that this is really negligence, be vigilant. If I tell you alternative, of course, at that point, it's no longer canals. At that point, we say to you, <laughs> You three times, you didn't realize that's not abnormal anymore. That's normal. It's forewarned. But when I say something is mamon, I'm fundamentally saying, if you call the words of the Gemara, if you hold hatzinezek of keren is mamon, it's because stam shivarim lav behezkat shimur kayeme. You might remember those words. Those words mean this is something you should have known. This is something you should be aware of. This is something you're technically speaking obligated for. If that's the case, if we're saying that Hatzinezik Serorot is Mamon, it means that it should be full amount. 
the halachal Moshe Misinai then, which tells me half, means by definition it's bumping me down. Otherwise, it should be considered kenas. And it was, again, if hatzinezik serorot, paying half when it comes to serorot in regel, is to be considered mamon, part of our halachal Moshe Misinai, then of course it means it was supposed to be nezik shalem, and we're just allowing for you to pay half. Otherwise, it wouldn't be mamon if by definition the halachal Moshe Misinai is not kenas, it's not penalty, it means I should have been fully liable, and so to speak, God at Sinai said to Moshe, but you can give them a break. I don't know why he gave us a break. We'll never get an explanation to that. But I do know he gave us a break over here, even though that's the suggestion of Rash and Shittam. Are they one of the same? So Harambam's general principle with regards to this, first and foremost, he says there are two types of traditions from Sinai, maybe three, um, you know, if we're expanding. The, the two that are, that are fundamental to the extent that you won't find, says Harambam, his words, a mahlokir on them, a dispute on them, or what's called halachal Moshe Sinai, and what he calls in, in different ways, but effectively, a perush mikubal mi Moshe Rabbeinu. When I deal with one of those two, there cannot and will not, according to his formulation, be a dispute. That was received as it is presented to you and me in Talmud. Torah Shba'opeja, and I'll define those in a moment. Torah Shba'opeja, as, as you're describing it, what we're doing over here, principles were given to Moshe. The description and the, and the application, that's developed based on the methodology of 13 Midot Shatoran Yidreshitim, etc. There is Mahlokin, whether it's supposed to be or not supposed to be originally a dispute. Haram Bam holds it wasn't, but that's what we're learning, generally speaking. Halachal Moshe Misinai and Perush Mikubam Moshe Rabbeinu, Perush Mikubam Moshe Rabbeinu Bar Sinai is the following, is that at Sinai, Kivyacho, prophetically, Moshe has a conversation with God and God says to him, Here's what I need you to know. I need you to know that when it comes to the measurements of a sukkah, there's two walls and the third is a tefah. Period. There's not going to be any dispute about that because Moshe heard it directly from God. Now, the suggestion over here is serorot. God said to Moshe, Moshe, realize serorot hayav for it, if we're reading it like Maharat Hayu. Perush mikubam Moshe Rabbeinu is a bit different. That is the definition of things. We'll see later in the eighth page, ayin tahat ayin, an eye for an eye. In the Torah, we define it, the Gemara tells us, as mamon, you pay money. Who said it means money? The definition, the perush, the commentary, the art scroll was Moshe Rabbeinu. Right? God told him how to define it. Peri Maybe it means an exotic fruit. Maybe on, on, on Sukkot, I take three species and an exotic peri, etz hadar, some beautiful peri from a tree. No, it's an etrog, perush mikubam Moshe Rabbeinu. But the definition of those, for the most simple way to say it, is that those have no mahloket, aren't supposed to. That's why this was so difficult that we found the mahloket on this. Okay, says the Gemara onward, uh, just a brief introduction on this. The Torah talks about, of course, many types of tumah and many types of contamination. We don't need to be in depth at all on any, certainly not the one we're going to address in the Gemara. We kind of alluded to them at the top of the Bet Amud Bet, if you recall the Avot, and the Rishon, and the Toladot, etc. One of them is called Zav. Zav is when a man, or a Zava, a woman, has a certain discharge. They, have a, they are considered Av HaTumah. They are considered the, so to speak, primary source of Tumah in such a situation. Once upon a time, very significant. You can't now be involved in anything that needs purity. Korbanot, terumah, etc., etc. Now, a zav has the following laws that are applicable to him or a zava to her. First and foremost, if they touch something, they touch something, they immediately rendered it, rishon letumah. 
That item now has a certain status, which is conferred upon it with all sorts of details. Secondly, if they push something, let's say they're holding a cane and they push something, let's say they're holding, they push the table and they push something else. In such a situation, the item which is pushed, even quote unquote, not directly from them, also gets tumah. That's called tumat hesed. Hesed, lehasit, means to push something. So they're not directly touching it, but they push into it, uh, there's tumah over there. However, if they throw something, and it touches another, or somehow affected through the throwing, tuma is not conferred. It's right, because, aha, uh-huh. so we see that the halakha, we're going to understand now already why that'll be relevant to this tzerorot business. Now, I touched this item, of course, this became tameh, but now I threw it, it's not as if when it touches the next thing, it was as if I touched it, it's that it touched this, and it's already third stage. Stage one, stage two, so, uh, that's, that's the halakha with regards to Zav. Says the Gemara as a result, or says Rava as a result, and we'll read it through and understand it appropriately. Anytime when you're dealing with Zav, again, that individual has that discharge, will cause Tum'ah. Rashi writes, Mashma mamash. Let's say for the moment it actually touches. As a result of the parallel in Nizikin, if it's a direct action, you as well pay a full damage. Anytime that I'm dealing with a Zav and it doesn't affect Tum'ah, Rashi, Kigon Shazarak Hefet Aladam, Havetahor. So in other words, What's that? It's that the kol shebezav is tahor. It's not a zav tahor. Kol shebezav, anything that the zav does, and it won't become tameh. In other words, it'll stay tahor. By nezikin, it's hatzinezik. The situation is as such. Serorot, situation is as such. I am a Zav. Forget about Hesit that I told you earlier. You'll need that for a minute. But I touch this box. This box now becomes Rishon Tuma. Rishon Tuma will only contaminate certain things. It will only do Ochalimu Mashkim. If this now touches the coffee, so the coffee becomes Tameh. If, if, if I throw, if I was a Zav and I throw it to Judah, Judah does not become Tameh. You're Tahor. Adam Vekelim do not become Tameh from a Rishon Tuma. What's the nizikin situation? Serorot. I kick something. As I'm going, it's not going to become full nizik. It's going to be hatsi nizik. In other words, the fact that it's indirect, not touching my body, in zav, means it's tahor. The parallel is to nizikin as well. I'm going to pay hatsi nizik. It's not a proof and it's not a reason because what does is, what is Tumah have to do with Nezikin? Rava is trying to He's trying to make us understand this better. He didn't teach us a fundamental over here. He can't teach us a fundamental. What does Tumah, unless you have some sort of dirasha, what does Tumah have to do with Nezikin? He just found the mechanism, the gimmick for me and you to remember that how Hatzinezik is Sirorot. I don't, you know, he's not telling us anything, of fundama- anything fundamental. And if anything, it's Halachal Moshe Misirai. It's not being learned from there. So the Gemara again says, correct. Rava is finding a gimmick 
for you and me to remember that Sirorot is Hatzinezek, nothing more and nothing less. It has nothing to do with Tumah. Tumah is not actually teaching. We don't have some sort of elaborate derasha, kavachom, nothing of that sort. He says, you want to know how to remember this? You know the laws of Tumah and Tahara. You deal with them all the time. You're that, whatever. Okay, the same way a Zav, if he throws something, is Tahor in the Zikin, it's Hatzinezek. Nothing more, nothing less. Not, not if you touch Rishon the Tumah. A person who touches Rishon the Tumah is entirely Tahor. So over here, only food and drinks. That's, what I, that's why I did it purposefully. If I touch this item, I throw it to a person. Threw it to a person. I didn't push it into a heset. It's different. I threw it to a person. This is Rishon. They are now entirely so Tahor. So the food becomes Rishon the Tumah as well, even though I threw it. And then the food becomes, maybe that's an no, 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 then you got, no, that would be the Sumchus, okay, whatever. Anyway, says the Gemara again, so again, Amar Rava, Kol Shebezav Tameh, Benezikim Meshalem Nezik Shalem, Kol Shebezav brings Tahara, Tahor, Benezikim Meshalem Hati Nezik, says the Gemara, Verava, Serorot, Atala, Ashmo'inan, I mean, for all intents and purposes, the Gemara is asking the question which you all brought about, and that is, What's Rava teaching me? He's just teaching me the law of Serorot? I mean, I just spent time. I know it's Hachamim. I saw some who happens to disagree. He's just giving me a gimmick for remembering Serorot, the law that when I kick the item, my, my animal kicks, kicks the item, that's going to be Tameh. Says the Gemara, no, no, you misunderstood. Rava had an added Hidush. It's going to be hard to understand why this is an added Hidush, but he had an added Hidush. Look! Rava was alluding to another case. He had a gimmick for you to understand and realize another Halakha. Egla moshechet bekaron kamashmalan. And egla is a baby egel, right? So you, can't be. It's a female egel. It's a female calf. It's got to be, right? Because an egel is already baby. Anyway, uh, so there's an egla. There's a calf of some sort which is carrying a karon, a carriage, a wagon. Uh, what's the halakha? What does that have to do with that? Rashi on the left-hand side. Egla moshechet bekaron atal ashminan. Atal means he's coming to teach us la ashminan. Debezav tame im halcha karon shehazav alav al gabe kelim temea mishum midras hazav. The halakha is the following, says Rashi, explaining the Gemara. If lo aleno, I'm a zav, and I'm sitting in the wagon, and an egla or whatever is carrying the wagon, and my wagon goes over utensils along the way, those utensils become tameh. They become even higher level tumah. It's what's called tumat midras. Midras is leaning, sitting, lying on. In such a circumstance, I was mitameh them. Just by sitting on the wagon, the fact that I went over them. Had nothing to do with the cases we were just talking about. Cases we were talking about the throwing of the touch. No, he was talking about What would be if the uh, animal is carrying the wagon and the wagon goes over utensils? The wagon which ruins the utensils underneath it is considered like its body and as a result... It pays full amount. That's what the Rava's Hidush is. Donkey and Behema. So what's his name? Uh, Eli says, I don't understand the Hidush. We knew this already. You know, it's like the, the Beraita, which we cited earlier, told us if there's an animal. Remember we had a problem, even a donkey. Okay, I know if it's a burden, if it's something that's on the animal, it's got a package on its back and it damages by means of that. So then you're high off. Why would this be any different? 
It is a bit different. I'll tell you why it's a little bit different, because over here it's more removed. Over here, although it is connected to the animal, Rabbi is telling us the connection. He has a fancy way of telling us, look at Zav. Realize that's the halacha over there, so it's the halacha over here. Again, has nothing to do with Zav or Zava, but he's teaching us that. And again, this, I imagine, is a very significant halacha once upon a time. In other words, that he goes out of his way. You could have imagined people learned these beraitot and found loopholes for themselves. They said, well, it didn't actually touch my animal. It's true that it touched on the ground, but it was just detached from my animal. My animal was only carrying it. Rav stand there. The halacha over here is your animal's carrying the wagon. It's as if it's your wagon itself. It's not serorot. It's entirely hayav nezik shalem. Kamash ma'lan. That's the hidush of Rava. Tanya kavate de Rava says the Gemara we have a beraita which accords with Rava Behema Mu'edet Leshaber Bederechilucha. Ironically, Eli, we're going to quote the exact same beraita we had earlier. This is the whole beraita teaching us nothing new other than, well, you should know, Rava is telling you as well, if it's not even connect or if it's not even touching the animal, it's just connected by, I don't know, a, ro- a rope of some sort, right? So the animal's got it connected by a rope to the wagon, and the wagon damages. As long as it's derechilucha ketad, how's derechilucha of an animal? What's the normal way of walking? Of course, it's got to be in someone else's property. That's regel. Vehezika begufa, either with its actual body, bangs into, scratches against. Derechilucha ubeseara, or with its hair, catches onto something. Derechilucha beukav she'aleha, what was that? The saddle. Ubeshalif she'aleha, or with the burden, the package on it. Ubeprumbia she'befia, it's bit, uh, or with the bell which is around its neck, any of those situations, and as you said, Eli, the donkey with its burden as well, and lastly, even if it's a calf which is carrying the wagon, in all those situations you pay, Nezik Shalem. Says the Gemara onward. Tanur Rabbanan. Lots of cases. Significant, but not so many Hidushim in them. Tanur Rabbanan. Tarnigolim Shayume Hatitim Behevil Dili. This case will be quoted over here and ironically only dealt with at a much greater length on Dafyotet. So we have to understand it now and we'll return to it, but let's just read it for now. Hatanigolim Shayume Hatitim Behevil Dili. What's the situation? You have uh, chickens which are mehatatim, they're pecking at the hevel, the rope of a deli, uh, connected to a uh, pail. Imagine it on top of or next to a uh, uh, well of some sort. Vinifsaka hevel, and they pecked at it enough to the extent that it breaks the uh, rope. Vinishbar hadeli, and the uh, pail, let's imagine, made out of clay, breaks. Mishalmim nezek shalim, they pay full amount. Interesting. Interesting. Wouldn't you imagine? Maybe that could be like, sounds like the pig, but the pig, the hog, we considered something along the lines, well, it depends. It depends. Is this going to be considered sirorot or not? It's true they did it directly. On the other hand, it only fell and then got damaged. All right, we'll have to return to this again in a little bit of time. Let's begin this next question. It's a significant one, and hopefully read some of the Tosafot as well, address it a little bit, a little bit uh, for the last few minutes. Ba'e Rava. Rava had the following question. Uh, let's say an animal uh, stomps, it, uh, it tramples a keli, some utensil, but it doesn't break it. It doesn't break it, it's a strong utensil, but it causes It does trample it enough that it rolls over to another place and over there it 
gets broken. It's walking down the street, your dog, and there is on the side, I don't know, your child's very expensive uh, doll, and it bangs into it, but doesn't break it, but then it falls over, it was on the ledge, and cracks on the ground, and the very expensive several hundred dollar doll is broken. Now the animal did do it in a regular fashion, but on the other hand, it only broke afterwards and a step removed. So one more time. Whereas Sirorot is, my dog kicks the pebbles, one second, my dog kicks the pebbles and the pebbles damage the other thing. Over here, I started, my animal started the action on the item itself, but the item didn't break. This buckle only breaks when it falls off the table, when it falls off the ledge. So on the one hand, it was direct. On the other hand, it's indirect, yes. That's correct. That's the question. Without a pebble in the middle, will this be considered sirorot or not? In other words, does regal, all the examples we just gave, it's walking by the wall and it bangs into it. Got damaged immediately. It's got its burden and its burden bangs into something. It tramples on top. All those are very direct. Over here, it's a step removed without a pebble in the middle. That's the question. Mahu batar me'ikara azlina. Do we go based on me'ikara, the initial action which was direct, and it's considered the body of the animal, or perhaps batar tavar mana azlina, we go based on tavar, switch the tafatashin, shavar mana utensil azlina, I go, usrorot nino, and it would be considered like the pebbles. That's the question. Hatzinezek or nezek shalem, my animal caused the damage, it did it through its body, the damage only actually occurred through non-bodily involvement. Says the Gemara, Rava, that's your question? You know what your rabbi said about a similar case? Tifshotle, you should have answered it. Midraba, why didn't you answer it based on what Rava very famously said? De Amar Rava, Zarak, Keli, Merosh, Hagag, Uba, Aher, Veshibero, Bemakel, Patur. Rabah's famous case is, if I throw a utensil out of the window, someone's waiting at the bottom with his baseball bat, as the utensil, as the expensive dish or whatever comes to, before it hits the ground, he slams it out of there. The person who slams it at the bottom is Patur. Why? He caused the damage. De amrinan le, we say to him, mana tevira tavar. Mana utensil tevira broken tavar. He broke. In other words, clearly stating that who caused the damage? The guy who dropped it out of the window. So clearly says the Gemara Rava, what type of question? Because that's a human being, this is an animal, that's ludicrous. Says the Gemara, you're right. What's that? It's not exactly the same with regards to the sevara, but the, I, why is it already considered a manativira at the moment he dropped it out? Why is it a broken utensil? What's that? Because it's going to break. This animal, which banged into the doll, which is on the ledge, it's automatically going to break. That's it. What's the difference? And therefore, the owner of the animal should pay nezik shalem. It's not sirorot. It's nezik shalem. The fact that it's on its way to break is, is direct enough. Why is it automatically going to break? That's the reality. 
That's the reality. Look at what happened. It was a. It was. It was very clear. Kicks the doll off a ledge. It's going to fall and break. Pashut. Yeah. Whatever. Or a very fragile one. Says the Gemara. Okay. So why didn't Rava answer it based on Rava? Answers the Gemara. Le Rava peshita le le Rava mi baayale. Says the Gemara. For some reason, Rava knew the answer. Rava didn't. In other words, what the Gemara says, and we have plenty more to talk about, not to state, uh, but a very famous Tosafot and other words of the Rishonim on this matter. Says the Gemara. Rabbah, for some reason, knew this. He knew you go, you go based on the initial action. Rabbah was uncertain. We need proof for this. We need details on this. But this opens us up to the next issue. Again, stating the words in Aramaic, do we go based on the initial action, and that was the body touching it, or Dilma, maybe, Batar Tabarmana Azlinan, based on the moment of breaking. Rabba's case, a famous one, is telling us clearly it goes based on the initial action. Rabba, uncertain, no proof, and details uh, still, uh, still to come, is uncertain about this issue. Not today. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.